Alan and Deb, they just click, click. And there, there we go. Oh. All right. Good evening. Oh, that's the reason I guess I just wrote start recording. All right. We are on air. We are live. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. If you're listening, we are not... Uh, we're not too good on computers, but we did get this recording now. So, somebody hold that one over there. Wow, it's been a while. It's I missed the last one, or was it the last two? Maybe that. Well, that's right. That's what it was. So, here we are. Uh, we're in the book, knowing the doctrines of the Bible, and. Uh, we are on the first chapter, and John taught last time, so we got down to page 22, so we're going to start right there tonight. What did y'all think about uh, revelation, illumination, and inspiration? Did y'all spend a little time kind of looking? <laughs> yeah, the, the Lord revealed to you that they are good, right? I <laughs> Yeah, I, I read through this again, too, and every time we come, I think this is the third time we've gone through this book, but there's some really good meat on, you know, the difference between inspiration and illumination. You know, inspiration is, uh, is more uh, ongoing. It's something that stays with you, whereas, no, the other way around. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Illumination is ongoing, whereas inspiration can come and go. Again, didn't you? You know, one thing I one thing I wrote here. The book, kind of on page twenty, just back and back a couple of pages here at the top, gives a pretty good def definition there. The supernatural influence of the Spirit of God on the human mind, by which prophets and apostles and sacred writers were qualified to set forth divine truth without any mixture of error. That's that's inspiration. Okay, that's on the top of page. Uh, 20 in your book and here's here's my definition it's the process whereby the spirit moved upon man and produced spirit breathed writings a little shorter than than that I know he gives another uh, definition here as defined by Paul also but you as a minister or a preacher you're going to need inspiration and you're going to need some illumination and you're definitely going to need some revelation so I would read you know I know that y'all went through this and I don't want to go back over what John already uh, y'all went through pretty good there but I did want to mention how important I think that those three are in your ministry you know because there will be some days uh, and this is kind of the difference again between illumination and inspiration when I don't feel inspired on, on Saturday morning I think I told y'all a story not too long ago where I sat there the whole day. Just about, I read this, I read that, I looked at this, I read this scripture, I looked nothing. And finally, about 6 o'clock, one evening, you know, all of a sudden here, the, the, the pen started going. So it's, and I know. Yeah. 
very good. the Holy Spirit was speaking to their heart, you know, and once he, once he shows up and, you know, I, I've, I'm a songwriter too, or I was many years ago, I wrote some songs and same way with that, you know, when I was in my, in there just praying, these, just a few lyrics uh, to this song would come and all of a sudden I'm, I can't write fast enough to get it. And, and then there's times when you want to write a song and you sit down and it's just a, you know, just a block. So, and, and all of these, as we're going through there, just to back up, these are, if we look back, these are just viewpoints, okay? Number one is divine and not merely human. It's a theory or a viewpoint. We need to understand this. This is not uh, good. Are, are you with me? So it's, it's divine and not merely human. You understand that. There's a difference between being divine and human. The second one is unique and not common. So all of these are different viewpoints, uh, and you can read there in the paragraph before, against certain theories, it is necessary to contend that inspiration of the scriptures is divine and not merely human, and number two, unique and not common, and then number three, which is the one we're on, it's living, he's kind of telling you what it is and then what it's not, it's living and not mechanical, did y'all... <laughs> That's, yeah, that's kind of where, we, where we're at on number three. So, anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, Corey read part of that there while ago at the very start. Uh, but he goes on here. For example, a businessman does not inspire a stenographer when he dic dictates letters to her. God did not speak through man as one would speak through a megaphone. His divine spirit used their faculties. I would underline that. He used their faculties. Faculties. You can look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. All four of them recorded some of the, they were all eyewitnesses to a lot of the, but it all had a little different twist. John would spend a little more time on this, Matthew a little more time. You know, he was the doctor, and, and he would look at it with a different viewpoint, but yet the same Holy Spirit, you know, uh, meshed it all together where the, the, doctrine, the doctrine of it is all the same before the uh, between all four of the, the writers there. So, God has done nothing but by man. Man has done nothing but by God. It is God speaking in man, God speaking by man, God speaking as man, and God speaking for man. So, the fact of divine and human cooperation in the producing of an inspired message is clear enough, but the how of the matter is beyond our observation. I'd agree with that. The interaction of even mind and body is a mystery to the wisest man. How much more the interaction of the spirit of God and the spirit of man. But you will learn to rely on the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you that. And I know some of you have already preached and, and you, or you've written uh, some stuff, so you, you already understand this, I'm sure. So it's complete. Another viewpoint is it's complete and not merely partial. According to the theory of partial inspiration, the writers were preserved from error in, martyr, in matters necessary to salvation, but not in subjects like history, science, chronology, and others. Therefore, according to this theory, it would be more correct to say that the Bible contains the Word of God 
rather than it is in the Word of God. But we say it is the, the Word of God. Again, you see, this is a theory. We're going through all these four different theories here. So, And again, we won't spend a lot of time here because uh, theories are theories. They're just that. They're an educated they're an educated guess. Somebody has sat here and tried to rationalize how, you know, this is not a Bible, but how the Bible was written, and they've come up with this ideology or this, this concept or viewpoint or whatever you want to call it. So number five is verbal, another different view, and not merely conceptual. According to another view, God inspired the thoughts but not the words of the writers. Now, I do like this. I want to spend a little bit of time here. How do you separate the two between thoughts? Do thoughts become words? Yeah, definitely. Most of the time? Not always, but most of the time they become so become words. So here, and, and this is a great scripture to memorize, 2 Peter 1, I've got some of that brownie in my teeth here. 2 Peter 1, 21, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It's difficult to separate word and thought. A thought is an internal word. I like that. Y'all agree with that? It's an internal word. Begin not to say within yourselves. The fool has said in his heart, a word is a thought expressed. Divinely inspired thoughts would naturally be expressed in what form? divinely inspired words Paul tells us of the words which the Holy Ghost teaches 1 Corinthians 2.13 finally single words are cited as the basis of weighty doctrine distinguish between revelation inspiration uh, by revelation we mean that act of God underline this by which he discloses what man could not find out for himself ooh Ooh. You need a pen, Corey. I think there's one over there on that. Yeah. Yeah. By which disclosed man could not, there's no way we could uh, find, figure out, and fathom some of the things that we, that totally, totally. Wow. Uh, 24, about three fourths down. The paragraph starts with distinguish. Yeah. Uh, a revelation, we mean that act of God by which he discloses what man could not find out for himself. By inspiration, we mean that the writer is preserved from error in recording that revelation. Okay, So he gets the revelation from God, and then he records it with inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Correct? For example, the Ten Commandments were revealed... And Moses was inspired to record them in the Pentateuch. It was a two-way thing going on, a two-way process here, you know, divine revelation. Then inspiration, he records it. So inspiration doesn't always mean uh, or imply revelation. For example, Moses was inspired to record events which he himself had witnessed and which were therefore within the scope of his own knowledge. Distinguish also between uninspired words and the inspired record. Uh, for example, many sayings of Satan are recorded in the scripture. Remember that? And that Jesus and the temptation on the mountain. And we know that the devil was not God-inspired when he said them, but the record 
of those so those so satanic utterances is inspired. Okay, understand it. Pretty pretty complex, isn't it? You you may want to reread some of this again. It's pretty pretty in depth. So we're going to jump into part three though of this chapter, and it's the last section, I believe. Uh, there's four things here. Uh, they claim to be inspired. The Old Testament claims to have been written under special inspiration of God. Uh, the term God said is used 2,600 times. The history, law, psalms, prophecies, they're all said to have been written by men under special inspiration from God. I want to take time and read about three or four of these. Can someone grab Exodus 24.4? John, you grab Joshua 3.9. Okay, Corey, grab Isaiah 59, 21. And Jeff, do you have your Bible? Psalm 78, 1. All of these are going to let us, uh, give us an understanding how God inspired these holy men of old. So we'll start with Exodus 24, 4. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. So what was the first sentence? He And Moses wrote down wrote all down. the words of the Lord. All the words. Okay, now Joshua 3, 9, back to, is that John? And Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Hear the words of the Lord. Okay. And now Corey's got Isaiah 59, 21. Seek and read from the book of the Lord. Not one of these shall be missing. None shall be without her mate, for the mouth of the Lord has commanded and the Spirit has gathered them. Okay, so there it is. That's, that was really strong. Jeff, you got Psalm 78 and verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. There you go. Okay. So all of these uh, uh, show us, you know, the divine inspiration of God and the Holy Scriptures. Paul, you know, he didn't have, you and I have the complete canon, we're going to say it, of Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament. All he had to preach was, preach from was what? The Old Testament. You know, the Old So he... He quoted Isaiah a lot. If you, uh, if you remember in our Wednesday night Bible studies when we went through the Pauline epistles, how many times, nearly every chapter, he quotes something, you know, from the, yeah, yeah, from the Old Testament. So that was his text in the same way that you and I, we're privileged, we can use both the Old and the New. You know, like Sunday, I used a scripture from the Old to point out something, and then I showed how it was applicable, you know, in the New Testament. As well, so they both correlate. Is that a good word? They both tie together because the same inspiration, divine inspiration from God. And we're going to find here at the end of this that you know, uh, of all the 66 books and the 40 different authors, there's continuity. You know, from one from Genesis one to Revelation 21. You know, so okay, y'all getting this? Boy, I'm talking fast, so I feel like I'm running behind here. I hope y'all 
Can your ears li can your ears listen fast? <laughs> okay, good deal. Everywhere the New Testament claims to give a fuller and clear, which is exactly what the New Testament does, realize that the New Testament is a better covenant. Testament means covenant. There's the old covenant and the new covenant. We walk in the new covenant, and it's Hebrews. If you want to know how much better the new covenant is, read the book of Hebrews. It's a book of better promises, better uh, kingship, better lordship, everything. It's, it's just a powerful book. So he says that it gives clearer and fuller revelation of God than given in the Old Testament and authoritative, authoritatively declares the abrogation of the old laws. That, that's a big word for the re, re, repeal. It's repeal the old laws. Therefore, if the Old Testament is inspired, so must be the new. Peter seems to place the writings of Paul on a level with those of the Old Testament. Let's read a couple of these from the from the new now. Uh, John, if you'll grab 1 Corinthians 2.13. And Corey, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Lisa, 2 Peter 3.2. And Jeff, Revelation 1.1. See again here how the the authority of the Word of God, you know, uh, rings true in the New Testament. All right, let's First Corinthians two thirteen. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Awesome, that's a powerful one right there. Now First Thessalonians two thirteen. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which Ooh. is at work in you believers. Awesome. We accept it as what? The, the word, word of God. God. Yeah. Okay, now, Second Peter 3, 2. That you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Remember those commands. And then lastly, Revelation 1 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel and to his servant, John. All right. John is on the getting revelation in so what did he call his book <laughs> revelation the book of revelation so that's it's a from the book of revelation from uh, revelation 4 verse 1 on uh, that all is what's going to be happening after the, I believe the church is caught out of here so again it's it's there's a lot a lot of in-depth stuff in it. John, you, you, you did a study on it, I know, back a couple couple years ago. I've done one when I was a young man, and then I have taught it again probably five years ago, but again, it's it's all prophetic. We're going to see a lot of it being played out here, you know, at some point, and already seeing some of it. Uh, you have precursors to, the you know, the tribulation, the great tribulation, the great white throne judgment, the battle of Armageddon, all of these, uh, you know, Sunday are, I used the term the beginning of sorrows. You know, we're, we're in that season right now. So it's, uh, 
it, once it starts, it's, it's going to accelerate pretty quickly. So number two. part of the church you're in trouble so we're verifying the scriptures number one they claim to be inspired number two they appear they appear to be inspired uh, and there's going to be four things here in this paragraph that we're going to mention the bible comes into court is a court where things are settled you present your evidence and they present their evidence and then a judge decides the bible comes into court with a good record as to authorship it was written by men whose honesty and integrity cannot be questioned. Number two, the second checkpoint, its contents. It contains the most sublime revelation of God that the world knows. Do you know of any other book that describes God and all of his character, characteristics and attributes? No. As far as influence, number three, it has brought saving light to nations and individuals and it possesses a never-failing power to lead men to God and to transfigure their characters. Anyone that really received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, uh, life, their life is going to be changed forever. Forever. And it's going to be a better life. Now, does that mean, well, what about the martyrs and some of the, uh, you know, I don't have all the answers to that. But I know, uh, just like all of the disciples, they laid down, they, they believed in something so strongly that they knew that, yeah, I was like, uh, th this life down here doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter to lay down your life. Paul said, yeah, to die, to die is gain. How many know you can't hurt a dead man? You can't hurt a dead man. There you go. So, and that's what I tell myself that sometimes. You're just a dead man walking. You know, I've died. The old man is dead. The new man is, is uh, who, who's living here now, you know. So number four, uh, another uh, great uh, record here for court, authors, authority, I mean. It meets the need of a final court of appeal in religion so that false cults find it necessary to quote its words in order to make an impression on the public. Yikes. Yeah, for sure. To be specific, now here's some more things we're going to go into, three or four more things. Note its accuracy. One finds a total absence of the absurdities found in other sacred books. We don't, we don't read, for example, of the earth hatched out of an egg with a given number of years for incubation, resting on a tortoise, the land surrounded by seven seas of salt water, juice, of sugar cane, spirituous liquors, clarified butter, sour milk, writes D.S. Clark, there is a difference between the Bible and any other book that no man can fathom. The difference is caused by its origin, right? Number two, it's unity. And I mentioned this a while ago. 66 books, over 40 different authors, over a period of 1,600 years, covering a variety of topics. It nevertheless carries a unity of theme and purpose that can be explained only by one superintending mind. How many books can stand even two readings? <laughs> but the Bible can be read hundreds of times. How many of you love the Word? Do you love it? 
I love it. I've been reading it for 50 years, and it's still the highlight of my morning when I get up and, and read the Word and get into it. I've read hundreds of times, and, and it still is very interesting to the reader. It's remarkable circulation being translated into hundreds of languages read in most countries of the world. It's timelessness. It's one of the most ancient of books and yet the most modern. The human soul can never outgrow it. Bread is one of the most ancient of foods and yet the most modern. As long as men are hungry, they will want bread for the body. As long as men yearn for God and things eternal, they will want the Bible. Amen. It's remarkable preservation. That's incredible, isn't it? All down through these thousands of years, it's been preserved in the face of persecution and the opposition of science. The hammers break, the anvil remains. Woo! That'll preach. It's many fulfilled prophecies. I don't know how many prophecies have been fulfilled. Well, Jesus, of course, was one of them. Isaiah, uh, Micah, all predicted the Savior would come. Uh, Ezekiel, on and on. So, there's a lot of them. Okay, number three. They appear to be inspired. Number two, number three, they're felt to be inspired. I love this little reading right here. But you don't believe that book, do you? Said a professor of a New York college to a Christian lady who had been attending Bible classes. Oh, yes, she answered. I happen to have a personal acquaintance with the author. <laughs> love that. <laughs> She had stated a most weighty reason. How many, is it important to have a personal relationship with Christ? Yeah. Man, I, well, I, I wouldn't want to live here. I'd rather be dead than not have a personal relationship. He's my friend. He's my counselor. He's my everything. convinced there are some people in some churches that warm in a pew but don't really know Jesus. a real relationship when you can be on the outs you, you know what I mean like mm -hmm. when you're not doing okay emotionally and you're you're in a rough spot and so you quit talking to him because you kind of blame him you know what I mean but right. you know you know it's a real relationship when you're on the outs you know and then of course you you know you hear the loud pop and it's your head being removed from your fourth point of contact and you go back and realize that you know okay well that was nonsense and it wasn't actually your fault so I'm not mad at you anymore you know like a child when they get scolded by their parent and they don't talk to him for a couple hours and then they go back and yeah and you know I've been there and it, it was in those those uh, on the outs moments where it was I do know him and why am I acting like this you know because I don't want him to say I never knew you because I know he knows me you know what I mean and I was just acting foolish and my flesh was taking hold you know but but if, if you don't find yourself ever having that dynamic in the relationship, you know, 
where maybe you're, I don't know, this may not be a fair assertion, but it's just kind of where I sit, but like, if there is no dynamic in the relationship with an ever-changing, ever-growing, and occasionally having to, you know, kick yourself in the bottom to, to get it into gear occasionally, is is it real? Or are you just fooling yourself? You know, it's kind of kind of what I've observed, I And guess. I think it's okay to question that sometimes. You know, David yeah. did. David yeah. did. To me, that's a, that's a sign, right? If you don't question, then how can it be authentic? Uh, I, 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 I call myself a little, you know, baby Christian. Spiritually, I'm a little baby, but I, uh, I have those ups and downs all the time. You know, science versus the book, and the explanation of it all, uh, how to make sense of it, how does this, you know, any particular thing, how does it make sense, right? If, like back in the day we would question things how did the how did the tomb get moved or whatever it is right mm -hmm. and to me that's not so far-fetched and him being raised from the dead I mean, my point is to say if you don't question the authenticity of everything that you believe to be true then how are you actually experiencing? I think the you grow when you do. You know, yeah. like David. Because well, you, because you, because you, you, you go through periods and phases where it strengthens your your faith, right? Yeah. I you realize that's, that's that he's what it's that, doing for me. Yeah, yeah. You realize that he that it is true. Yeah. Eventually, you come and back. You, your your mind goes this whole discourse and around this racetrack, <clears throat> but then you come back and you you, know, you allow the Holy Spirit, who's you know living inside of you. To reveal, you know, to give you revelation to, to whatever it is that you're questioning, and all of a sudden, the light bulb turns on. And you're like, "This is true." Yeah, and I wish I had some some divine examples, and maybe someone can think of one. But that's it. You know, it, it, going through the journey, and you go through these periods of where you're on the outs, right, and you're you're questioning it or whatever, and then things happen, and it's not coincidence. It's yeah. not circumstantial. It's the odds are a trillion to one that these things would all line up. And it, it's just the way that he speaks to us. It's not, it's not, it, he has so many ways to communicate to us. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's, that's the part to me of the relationship. I, and I'm getting off track here, but that's the part to me that is the most beautiful in the relationship. You know, they, they, in the Bible, it clearly states, don't test me, right? They, the, the, the prophets, the, the, Pharisees wanted to test him, and, and he said, no, you're not testing me, and walked away. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, and I know that we so often want to test. We want proof. We want validation. And it never comes as we, as we think. You know, it, it has to be faith only, doesn't it? it? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, when you, when you stop looking, you see. Mm -hmm. You're like, ah, oh, well, there's no way that was a coincidence. I had this need. I thought this is what I needed. And and I know this is this is cliche. We've all said it, heard it, but it, it, to me, it, I, I never lose. I, every time it happens, I never. It, it's never lost on me. You know, I, I want to be rich. Well, it's not really that you want to be rich. You want to have security. Mm -hmm. And so maybe I haven't. Maybe he hasn't made someone rich 
but he's gave them security beyond measure. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, yeah. Exactly. Good stuff. Oh, no, good, good. And I think it, like I said, like we've all said, it's, it's hard to live in faith sometimes because we live in such a see-it-and-believe-it world, you know. But uh, faith, it's hard to define. It's hard to see. It's, but it's regardless what it is, whether it's believing for your next meal or believing like right now, I'm having to really exercise mine for the, the new building that we're going to be going to be in and God has reassured me you know about three or four times uh, you know already uh, just with the big building fund drive and then someone that you wouldn't think uh, would have enough money hardly to fill their tank up you know offers you a piece of property you know worth six hundred thousand dollars to build a, a church on you're just like wow I've been praying I've been believing and you're just you're just blown away by it, you know, because you've been you've been getting up early every morning and praying in faith, saying, "God, we need a building, we need a place, we need," you know, you're crying out to God, and all of a sudden provision happens, you know, and you're just oh, wow. Yeah, it's it, I can't say a whole lot about it. I can't I can't tell where it's at or who the people are, but it's but it's. Uh, the, the very Sunday that uh, you know we raised uh, thirty-five thousand for the bu building fund that afternoon is when when the land was just uh, presented to us. And again, it's it's got some hoops to to jump through, but again, it's just a I just stand back and go, wow. And then you know we're going to need people that understand building and contracting. And lo and behold, a, a new family. He, he's a development. You know, he's done a lot of developments. He's done commercial. He's done residential. He fills out the questionnaire a week ago Sunday. I'm ready to do anything to help this church. There you go. That's what you were just talking about. You look at it two weeks ago, and you it's, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming, but you just... how to surrender and I, I again baby steps like I'm so early on I've never been able to surrender I I've always controlled well, to my figure own it destiny. out yeah yeah I've just I've just always made it you know growing up with nothing and no parents and no 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 one to care for me I learned early on in life I had to if I was if I had to watch my own back because no one else is going to watch it and so it's it's instinctual for me to protect myself. It's instinctual for me to rely to, on self. To, that's right. And so I'm going through this process. He is walking me, <laughs> uh, uh, maybe shoving me through this process of you've got to surrender, and it just keeps coming. And it keeps, it's it's the same thing with the the church and the building. Um, in, in that, you know, all the works that happen, all the works that are going on that we can't see and we can't comprehend until after the fact and you know two weeks ago there's this level of stress regarding the church and then all of a sudden things start falling in now you of course are, are mature in your faith and mature in your spirituality and you knew you 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 sure there's going to be angst because you want to know as a human as in your flesh mm -hmm. but you also no doubt 
trusted in we've talked about it and you have trusted in God through the process yeah. and, and, and it's funny that's the hard part for me still yeah and y'all y'all have seen me stand on the edge of the stage and t- tell you about faith you know God doesn't do anything you're standing here you know looking at all this whatever it is that you're facing but when you take that step and you say we're going to build a building or we're going to pioneer a church or we're going to start a new mission or we're going to you know whatever it is once you put that foot out there and go to all of a sudden provision from here from there from everywhere it's just of faith that surrender I wasn't this time because thankfully I was firmly planted, you know, in my relationship with the Lord. And, but it was, it was scary. And even though I know that fear doesn't come from the Lord, the enemy was trying his best to, to, to douse me in fear, to have no idea where my kids were going to live, what we were going to do, how we were going to make money. Is this house going to sell in time? You know, and, and to just say, well, Everybody get in the car, you know, go. and we drove to Oklahoma and uh, with what we could fit in the Explorer and you just had no idea what we were going to do. And, and it wasn't easy. And there were a lot of tears, but it's like, I feel like if I had shut down and refused to do what he was so obviously directing me to do, and, and I really had no choice but to do other than collapse and die within myself, um, you know, if I hadn't done that, I would have been turning my back on, on that love, you know, and so being willing to step out in, in faith it. and be, you know, they say it's only bravery. If you be willing if you and choice. obedient, you'll eat the fruit of the land. Right, right. You know, it's, it's bravery if you have a choice. I, I could have not done what I was supposed to do, but I, I chose to, you know, be courageous and be bold and step out, terrified as I was. Um, but my gosh, am I glad that I did because look where he brought us. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. we, we immediately sold our house. We were immediately able to buy a new one. You know what I mean? And even if we hadn't been, even if we'd had to live with his parents for a year before we could reestablish, my children were taken care of, we were fed, we were clothed, we were healthy, you you know, and so it's like, yeah, it was scary to not be in control, it was scary to have to completely surrender the reins, but at the same time, I really had no business holding the reins anyway. (laughs) Just trust God, huh? And I know we're getting off track, but I got, I got to, I got to share just a testimony to this same point, and I I hope, I hope y'all don't mind, Um, but, you know, January will be 16 years in business. 16 years. This is our 15th year that we're closing out, and it's. I mean, it's. A, it's been a long journey, and God has not been. I have. Let me rephrase the way I was going to say that. I have not had God at my side during this process, and these 15 years of, as with any business, have been full of trials and tribulations. And, and I, the glory to, glory to him. 
glory to him that it, the business has survived at this point. But, w- you know, I've always had um, uh, a few milestones that I've wanted to pass, and without getting into the details, I've never gotten close to those milestones. Can't, couldn't touch them. And I haven't done anything different in this last year except recommit my life to him and to mm-hmm. hear him and to listen to him and to do the things that he's asking or, or, or instructing me to do that are really uncomfortable for me. And my business is like one of my children. It's the same age as my oldest child. A business is like a child, right? And this year we hit every milestone we've ever had, and I did nothing different. The And this sounds so cliche, and it sounds so cheesy, and if you know me, I'm not that's not me and I did nothing different this year than I've done the previous 15 years except that I have recommitted myself to the Lord and and I didn't I didn't do it in exchange for prosperity right but but my business has utterly blown up in every aspect my team is stronger than they've ever been been and we're adding new team members constantly uh our revenue is, is, I mean, we almost, we're, we're a seven figure company now. And we almost, we almost increased our revenue by 50%. Like it, it, I in mean, one year, in one year, it, it, it is apps. I've been doing it for 15 Most years. Most businesses are happy with a 10% growth growth yeah. for the year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like I, it's not like I'm selling a hundred thousand dollars and I doubled, right? Like, we're in the seven figures now, and we're like, we're, try, we, we, seven figures is something I always wanted to hit, and we're like, boom, right past it. it. It's remarkable. Every day we're depositing tens of thousands of dollars. It's just like money is raining. I tell my, I tell Corey's my right hand, and I tell her, I go, can, it's like, you know, it's like hitting the jack, the jackpot. You're just like chuckling. I'm like, can you believe this? And I turned around and told her, and she know she's been through me through all this, and you know, so for her to hear this come from me, this isn't something I would normally say. And I said, the glory is not ours; this belongs to him, and we will give it back. Hallelujah! Awesome. And here he is giving it tomorrow too. Hallelujah. And that's in that what it is. He gives it to us, and I think I preached on this not too long ago about how he gives it to us, and then. Waits to see what we're going to do with it. Stewards. Because I remember, you know, I used to be a waitress, right? Back in my early 20s, I waited tables at IHOP for like six years. Oh. Yeah, right. I wish. <laughs> I was a far sight longer than that. But, uh, you know, I remember uh, I hated waiting on Christians on Sunday. I detested it. I'd get a $100 bill Bible tract and a, and a smile, and that was it. You know, and it wasn't that I was greedy. I just had bills to pay. That's why I was there, you know. And then I would have, you know, the, the 10 to 2 a.m. crowd come in and leave me 50s and 20s and just throwing money at me. And so it, it, you know, it skewed my view because I didn't understand, you know. And, and it's like I will, I'll never forget it. There was a day that I went in, and I waited on this, this couple and, and they left a $50 bill, and there was a note attached to it and said, Jesus loves you. Does he have your attention now? And I just remember thinking, hmm. a little bit. 
I mean, it didn't last. The attention didn't last. But my point is, you know, use that. Use your blessings. I do remember. I still do. And, and it helped me not hate waiting on Christians so much on Sunday afternoons. But, like, but that's the thing. Like, are we representing? You get it then. It's like, are we representing him? Are we being greedy? Are we sitting on every penny that we have? Or are we willing to share it? Because the Bible says pretty clearly, like, if you have it and you see somebody struggling and you don't share it, you don't have love. Exactly. Like, you don't love them. We're just rolling. It's fun. Something else that's changed this year is I, I have never, and I know, I, know, I know I'm preaching to the choir, so thank y'all for entertaining this. I have never tithed religiously in my life. Oh, that's a life change. And Sheila kept telling me, you got to tithe, you got to tithe. And I was like, this is the biggest. And I grew up, in, 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 and I was tainted from religion and, and church. You know, I saw the, the, the my, my family. Something at home, there and then come back home, and it was. Yep. So I saw the, I saw the things that people. The, the thing that, that's right. And the things that get you to not want to do it. And, this, and, and uh, I, I finally said, I'm going to do it. And I buckled down. And I'm telling you, like, I. I, I, I made these changes practically overnight. I made these commitments. I'm going to do these things. And I'm, I'm telling you, in lockstep, in lockstep, I could go back and pull up my QuickBooks and look at my account, and I'm telling you, in lockstep, it just starts hockey sticking. And I'm like, and, and, and I know it is just cliche, and, I'm, and I, 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 I expect tomorrow that things, you know, the weather, I know it's, I'm going to have storms to weather. I'm pull, fully prepared. I, I, I I know things won't always be good, and, and, and I was actually getting ready to read a second ago. This morning, I woke up at 3.30, and I was writing some things down, and, and one of the things that it was, was part of my prayer, and it was like, you know, thank you for giving me this gratitude. Now, stand with me and help me not to go back to the way of the world, because I know, we all know, it is so easy yeah, it's so easy. Or, it, it, or, the, or the peak, you know, the here's flesh. the thing. The ego, yeah, right? The, the business is doing well. I got money in my pocket. I can do what I want. I'm my own master. And, and next thing you know, you're right back into the world. You're not reading the Bible. One day goes by. The next day goes by. And I'm, that's all my prayers right now are, please, please don't let me fall back to the way of the world because it's so easy. And I, and I just don't want to. Not because, and not because of the money, right? It, it, that isn't, I, I, my intent is to give it back. It, 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 that's neither here nor there. It, 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 to me, that's just, that's just. It's a tool to bless someone else. With. And, 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 it, and it's, just, it's just more proof positive, right? It's more of that, more of that one in a trillion things align too well. It's just, it's just kind of like a pat on the back. Don't, you know, I mean, it almost feels like God's patting me on the back going, okay, now you're being a good child of mine, and let's stay in good graces. And that's what I'm saying is, Father, please please stand with me and don't let me go back down. Amen. Amen. Give me those signs. You know, when you start to veer off, give me that sign. Give me that tip on the table that says, do I have your attention now? Give me something. That knock on the head or whatever yes, it takes. Yes. <laughs> Just don't make it hurt too bad. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Powerful stuff if you're listening to this, you know. And it's it, it maybe a year later or two later, but there's been some good stuff being shared here about the faithfulness of God and how he will bring us through. Amen. Wow.
So, do you believe the scriptures that we're at the end of this chapter? Do y'all believe that? I think I do a little bit. Do you, you know, it talks about these four steps, you know, they appear to be, they felt to be. I like number four. It says they prove to be inspired. We'll hit that in just a minute. I love this. I love this illustration right here. I want to read it. Um, when I was a boy, I read a story which showed me the different ways in which we can be sure that this great library of sacred books, which we call the Bible, is really the Word of God, His revelation to mankind. The writer of the story had been explaining three different kinds of evidence, the historical, the internal, and the experimental. Then he told how he once sent a boy to the chemist to get some phosphorus. The boy brought back a little packet. Was it phosphorus? The boy reported that he went to the shop and asked for phosphorus, that the chemist went to his shelves, took some kind of stuff from a jar, put it in the little packet, and gave it to him, and that he had brought it straight back. That was the historical evidence that the packet had phosphorus in it. Then the gentleman opened the packet. The substance inside looked like phosphorus and smelled like phosphorus. That was the internal evidence. Then he put a light to it to see, see how it burns. That was the experimental evidence. Intellectual defenses of the Bible have their place, but after all, the best argument is the practical one. The Bible has worked. It has influenced civilization, transformed lives, brought light, inspiration, and comfort to millions, and its work continues. The living, yeah, the living word of God. It's alive and fresh and powerful, isn't it? Hallelujah. So now, number two, God. That's going to be a big subject, isn't it? How long are we going to be here on this booger? table yeah the the first 30 pages here so uh, yeah God who was and is and is to come yeah so anybody get to read some in chapter two already hopefully it's uh it's powerful I love it today I was reading about the galaxies and how that you know something's moving at I think the sun at 12 miles per second I thought about that I thought that's like it's in El Reno that quick. I mean, 12, it's about 12 miles to El Reno. It's like that. You're in El Reno. It's how far. you away and I'm, 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 I like science to some I like history better but I do like science to some degree but that just you know blew me away you know me and you we, we wouldn't even be pushing the door handle on the door in one second but that you know one second and hell Reno well then I read a little farther and it said there's something else way out there that's moving at 200 miles per second so that's like from here to Dallas Dallas
And there's millions of those, aren't there? Galaxies? Yeah. 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 So, anyway, the existence of God. Wow. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 6, he that comes to God must believe that he is. You'll never come to God unless you believe that there is a God, will you? You can determine. There's a lot of people that choose not. Atheists. They choose not to believe in God, and yet in their ignorance, uh, it just blows me away. I've found, and every time, because I've talked to a lot of atheists, I explore, I think it's interesting to see, and what I've found, and every time I've talked to an atheist, atheist, they've been burned, they've been burned. Just as I was burned as a kid, they've been burned, and yeah, it's it's less about there's not a God than there is, I'm turning my back on God, and I'm turning my back by not acknowledging you exist. And listen, I'm guilty of that. I can't tell you how many people have hurt me in my life, and I turn my back on them. I'm like, toodaloo, you are no longer in my life. I won't let you hurt me anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's my, that's, that's my go back to my childhood. Not that, not, not that this is a counseling session, but that's how, that's my, that is my, um, that is my response. Someone hurts me, I just kick them out, out the door. And, and I, I feel like that's what atheists do with God, is that there's some, some, trauma if you will there something has occurred to put them off and for them it's just easier to to not accept it. that's yeah. it yeah. to turn their back I like what he says here in this first paragraph and again that Hebrews 11 6 the one I just quoted to you that's a great one to to uh, memorize he that comes to God must believe that he is but, but before that it says the scriptures nowhere set forth a series of proofs that doesn't try to prove his existence as a preliminary to faith they declare the fact and call upon a man to make the venture of faith is that not what it is it's a venture of faith that's bottom line you either believe or you don't believe and he doesn't force you he could have made us robots you know he wanted you to choose him you know every day so, anyways, here we go. The existence. That's the way it's designed, right? I mean, you, you, you can connect to the dots and go, how amazing it is that we have faith that we know and we can connect the dots and we can give him glory. But if you don't have that faith, you don't get those dots. You, 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 it amounts to chance. It amounts to luck. It amounts to faith, right? It's Circumstance. Just anything that's not God. And, and yeah, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, it goes back to the last meeting when uh, Rebecca was asking about how do we know that what is in the Bible is what's supposed to be in the Bible? What about the books that were removed and no longer part of the Bible? And and at the end of the day, just as he inspired, right, goes back to the beginning of what we talked about tonight, just as he inspired the word that man wrote and created the books, we we, we can have faith that the books that are in the Bible are the ones he intended to be there. Yeah. 
That's it. Take it all by faith, don't we? The canon, the canon of Scripture. And I like what he says here in the second paragraph. The Bible indeed speaks of men who say in their heart that there is no God, but these are fools. That is, they the practice ungodly, the practically ungodly who would put God out of their thinking because they would put him out of their lives. They belong to the large number of practical atheists, that is, those who live and speak as if there were no God, that they far outnumber the theoretical atheists, though, that is, those who claim to hold to the intellectual belief that God does not exist. It has been pointed out that the statement, there is no God, does not imply that God does not exist, but that he does not interfere in the affairs of the world. Counting on his absence, men even become more corrupt and do abominably. It's this downward spiral. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. How in the world can all these galaxies be made? You know, and, and we're going to get to a story in here about the egg and the chicken, <laughs> no, or the hen, the hen and the hen and the egg. Which one was first? Well, I don't, and I don't want to ruin it for everybody, but it's you know the Big Bang theory is exactly what it is is a theory. You know, you, it's like trying to say uh, uh, you take a uh, this thing here full of letters. And just dump it out on the floor, and it writes the Pilgrim Progress or something, you know, type thing. It's just that, that's how uh, silly that is to me. I want to believe that there is a God, supreme being, you know, that created all of this stuff, and uh, and He has a plan for man. He made man in His own image, in His own likeness. He has a great plan for them, but. Uh, I was say the main thing I know he did yeah, is right. he spoke it. Another time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, so, first of all, number one, his existence affirmed. Uh, let's turn on over to page 34. The, the idea of man reaching to a knowledge or fellowship of God through his own efforts is wholly foreign to the Old Testament. God speaks. Now listen to this. He appears. You know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Adam, all the different ones. He, he, man listens and beholds. God brings himself nigh to men. He enters into a covenant or special relationship with them. He lays commands upon them. They receive him when he approaches. They accept his will and obey his behest or bequest, whatever. Moses and the prophets are nowhere represented as thoughtful minds reflecting on the unseen and forming conclusions regarding it or ascending to elevated conceptions of the Godhead. The unseen manifests himself before them, and they know it. Whoa. When a man says, I know the president, he does not mean I know that the president exists. For that is assumed in his statement. In like manner, the biblical writers tell us that they know God 
And that statement assumes his existence and Lisa said it, relationship. Yeah. His existence proven. How much proof? I wrote here, how much proof do you need? <laughs> First. Uh, can, I, can I say something about that? Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I'm going to throw this out there because I'd love to hear some feedback on this. But I was talking to a detective the other day, and this is a person that knew me whenever I was not uh, following Christ. And, and now we cross paths, and, and I am. And, and they see all the worst of the worst, and they said, you know, I, I don't, I'm going to stop you right there. I don't, because, of course, I'm talking about God. And they say, I'm going to stop you right there. I, I, don't, I don't believe in it. And I'm like, okay. I mean, do you mind if I ask why? And they're like, when you see all the things I've seen, and they named some really horrific stuff, right? And, and, and they know the things that I've been through, so they know that I can relate with horrific stuff. And they... Um, they said, no, God would allow those things to happen. Mm. And, of course, I, I kind of let it be. I let it be, right? Because that's not a, that's not a, that wasn't a, a debate or a conversation that I'm prepared to have. But I'd sure love to hear what some of you might say if you're talking to someone. And, you know, so here we are, you know, his existence proven. We're going into this, and I've got someone who is a non-believer um, because they see the worst of the worst every day and they're saying if there's a God how do they let this happen uh, and, and, and they say the most horrific things you know, that mm -hmm. they've seen which are pretty dadgum horrific mm -hmm. um, well man has a free will you know number one that is what I said actually that is exactly what I said I didn't say much but I said God gave us free will he doesn't intervene we are here on this planet doing what we see to do, and he intervenes in select instances that none of us understand or can or control. But we we are our own monsters, and, and thanks to people like you for protecting us from them. But that that, that was the one thing I said. Did say, yeah, yeah. That's 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 the thing I see, you know. Uh, but then you know that that's for people that are not living for God. You can see the the evidence their mistakes and the, the fruit of the bad choices. You know, life is about choices. And the best choice you ever make is when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and say, Lord, I surrender my life to yours. You know, your will be done in my life. But then you say, well, okay, there's a Christian that's going through something right now. Well, God also allows tests even of Christians. You know, it's not that, okay, I, I'm getting a you know, when I, when I sign on the line here or give my heart to Jesus, everything's going to be wonderful and peachy. No, you're, you're going you're gonna to go through level after level, season after season after season after season, as I preach Sunday, of testings. And each, each, each season is going to have struggles in it. There's going to be struggles. It's, you know, it, there, there may be some rejoicing in it, too, you know, at, at some of the things that you're accomplishing. And you look back and, oh, man, I, I passed that deal. Well... Here comes the devil again the next, you know, you whip the devil one day, uh, he's going to be back the next day with some new tactic, some new trick. You just keep fighting and fighting and fighting. The Bible says he that endures to the end, endures, what does that remind you of? 
It's going to be, you know, Paul, Paul said, I've fought a good fight. <laughs> I've kept the faith, you know. It's going to be a dog fight. So you, till the day you That's take. Yeah. There you go. He's going to, he's going to come at you. So again, uh, that may not have helped a lot on answering the, the question because. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. Yeah, free will. It, it gives us the power of choice. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. If, and if you don't, then I pity you. You're a fool. You really are. No, I firmly believe that the tragedies that my family has has experienced, and and they're as bad as the, as tragedies get. Um, uh, it's because I wasn't leading my house. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't leading my house in faith. And I tell my kids. I've told my kids as, as long as they've been alive. You obey me, and you stay with me, and you will be protected under my umbrella. I will keep you safe. And I didn't follow the same rule to my father. I didn't follow him. I didn't do as he said. I wasn't under his umbrella. And I not only put myself in, in harm's way, I put my family in harm's way. And we were, we were, uh, we weren't punished. No one punished us. We were exposed. We weren't protected. And vulnerable. The spirit, the, the, absolutely. And the, the spiritual world, like there are things, and I'll, I'll say this from the time, but there are things that happened after my wife was killed by that DUI driver. When he was being driven from the hospital back to the jail, he was in the front seat so the highway patrol could get more evidence on him. And they had a camera in his face, and they're recording him. And did you know that two nights prior to it, he had had a premonition in his dreams where a demon had come to him in his dreams and told him he was going to do something evil? And that was two nights before he killed and my wife. He said wife. that, and the camera was recording it. Absolutely. It's documented. And, 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 and there, were, there was a stalker that came out of nowhere that was stalking my wife before this. I, I can count no less than a dozen uh, demonic things that started occurring to my family right under my nose. And I didn't realize the things were going on until it all happened. And I looked back and I went, wow. I fooled myself thinking that I could protect my family under my umbrella. It was his umbrella we needed to be under, and I, did, I wasn't the spiritual leader that I needed to be. In the church, too. Yeah. yeah. Too little, too late, right? But, but not. That's the thing. Hallelujah. Yeah. Just a little... Five miles per hour or a little bit lower on the, yeah, snap the neck completely. Wow. But God. But. Every time I see you walking, I'm just like, there's another miracle. And I see you. Every one of you sitting here in this circle, right? You've gone through, some, you've been to hell and back, some of you, right? 
Uh, yeah, all of us have, it sounds like it, you know, and, and that's the thing, like, if it's always, if it's always landing on an air mattress and it's never a concussion and it's never a, a massive loss, if it's never painful, the thing is we will not learn. Sometimes we literally have to be cracked across the knees by life before we realize that he is literally the sole thing that we need because it's just, it just can't. And, and the thing is, if everyone I ever talked to, as I, I was more agnostic in, you know, closet witchcraft, as y'all know, but, like, I, if everyone I had ever talked to that claimed to know Jesus had only had, well, yeah, this horrible thing happened, but then it was so wonderful in the end, you know, then I would have been like, what kind of yeah. cotton candy cloud do you live on? There you go. But then you have folks like us in this room who've had our spines broken, have our lives burned down more than once around us, have had significant loss in one way or the other, who can stand here and say, no, 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 it was a real loss. Like, there's no going back and erasing that. Like, I can't undo the things that have, that have happened in my life. There, there is no rewind. There is none of that. Like, it's done. But what I can do is say that it's not in vain. Yeah. Because now I know, yeah, I took that crack across my knees and, you know, it took me a while to, to regain my footing and in a few years or, or several years or whatever it was. But when you, when you approach that lost person who has lost everything in their life, they're, they're, they're going to be able to believe you. When you say no, like I can't go back and undo what that drunk driver did. I can't un undo my, you know, my, my pride that I experienced personally and, and thought that I could just control and keep every all the little chess pieces in my life in their yeah. proper square because that's exactly how I've behaved the majority of my life, even, if it, even as a Christian. But when I can be real and say, yeah, I've had this loss and I didn't get it back. Like it's, it's gone. It's done. But I still have joy. <laughs> Again. Not still. I have joy again, let's be honest. It was, it was not something that was constant. But I have joy again. I have peace again. And my faith is stronger than it's ever been. Woo. You know, that is, that is what turns ahead. That, that is what impacts a life. When you have that real pain, when you have that, that real intense loss, and, and you've been at the bottom of that barrel that that person is desperately trying to climb out of all by themselves, claw marks on the side of the metal. And in re yes, with pain and not. And you said something there when you said something about rejoice or with joy. You know, when you get to when you get to the place where hell is beaten all over you, and you can still count it all joy. And I touched on this Sunday. I I talked about the season. Sunday, I used that scripture that Solomon used in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3. Everything, there's a season. Time to be born, time to die, time to take in, time to live. But he says in verse 11 here, he has made everything beautiful yes. in his time. That's Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. Also, he has set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God makes from the beginning to the end we'll never understand mm -hmm. some of the things that happen in our never. life and we're wasting our brain power it's hard when you are he's made everything yes. beautiful in his season it all romans 8 28 all things are going to work together for good and you can't see it at the moment mm -hmm. but 
lo and behold. Well, and it's that bigger master piece. You know, how many times in art, I don't know how many of you guys like art, but you know, in genuine art, it's, it's typically the flaw within the art that makes it beautiful. Yeah. It's the imperfection in the art. Now, when you're standing in the moment or you've, you've lost your wife, you've had a miscarriage, you've had your spine snapped, you know, like it's hard to see that as, oh, it's just a beautiful flaw in this big oil paint. Yeah. I don't want to hear any of that. That's <laughs> yeah. a good way to get exactly. throat punched. But the, the thing is, when God is looking at it, sorry, I'm, I'm just, I just say no, stuff. Right, you know, my, right, you know, but when God is looking at it and, and he's, and he's watching, okay, Corey, I'm going to use you as an example. Cause you said this just past year, you know, you've made these changes and like overnight, I'm the same way. If I commit to something, well, that's what I'm doing. You know, you know, he looks at that and he sees those flaws and, and that stuff. But in reality, he's watching it blossom into this incredible masterpiece. Enemy can't have your family. He can't have your daughters. You've recommitted your life to Christ. It might be a hellish road till that. It probably will be for a while to that finish line. But the reality is you know who you belong to. And you've become the priest of your house. Absolutely. And, and it's just, it's beautiful. As, as much as those stumbling blocks hurt, it's beautiful. The stigmatisms that come with, with being a believer, okay? So one, one in particular is um, one in particular is, is that they'll tell you that what, what do you know about it? You're, you're a Christian, right? Nothing, nothing happens to Christians, right? Hmm. So, so two points to that is, is for one is that they're completely wrong. And two is if, is if they honestly believe that, then what's stopping them from wanting to be a Christian? Right? right? Yeah. If, if their life is hell... Yeah. And they think that nothing, nothing ever bad happens to a Christian. Well, then what's stopping you from asking Jesus into your life? Okay. So, <laughs> but it's not true, right? So the other side of that is is that when when believers like if Pastor got up there and always painted like you said a, a cotton candy fairy tale, right? So Pastor always painted a cotton candy fairy tale. Said nothing ever ever has happened in his life, ever, since he was seventeen and first found found Jesus, right? That that stigmatism is in the world. Mm-hmm. People believe that with us right if we're real as you said and like Corey opens up you open up Jeff opens up if we open up and tell people that it's real that hey I've been there that hell you're going through losing that baby losing your wife whatever the hell is that you're going through I've been there I have been there maybe I've been there two or three times okay but the difference that separates me from you is that you have no one to lean on except yourself there you go I have an assurance and the creator of all things, that I'm going to be okay. Amen. They don't have that. Amen. So good. I love it. The synergy in this room. Existence proven.
you know, But, you know, sadly, I want to throw this in and then we're going to quit. But sadly, the church has not always presented that it's a, it's a hospital. Yeah. We've presented it as you come in in your finest clothes and your tie and your shiny shoes and no one has, hey, brother, how you doing? Oh, great, you know. And, 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 and a lot of people have gotten the wrong concept of what church is about. So they, they don't want no part of it. Exactly. So I pray to God that this church never gets that. I mean, the name outside should let people know <laughs> I what's. I think we're all pretty bold enough to stand up and, do, and say something for that. Yeah, and, and you did not long ago. Yeah, you not long well, ago. That was the Holy Spirit. I promise you, yeah. it's not that. You shared something very uh, intimate to your heart, and, and you shared, you opened it up and disclosed it to the whole audience. Hold me accountable. I am saying this in front of you today so that if I start to slip, somebody better snatch me up, you know. And she walked up to me behind me that day when we were all circled up. It was a mean laundry. It was a laundry. It was not good. And she put her hand on the back of my head, and she started calling stuff out. I mean, she was like the spirit of depression, the spirit of suicidal ideation, the spirit Ooh. of this. Get back in there. Right back in there. And he was full-fledged right back in there as if none of this counseling had ever happened for the last few weeks. You know, as if none of those breakthroughs we had had ever happened. And she, man, she was bold and she was obedient to the Holy Spirit. And she just started talking about And I walked out healed again. There you go. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. It's, it's, it's that need for accountability and that need to have somebody that, you know, I, I'm not saying everybody has to stand in front of the entire church and, and bear their, you know, business. And I didn't go into detail. Time for you to about time for you to preach again too. By the way, <laughs> you better be working on one.
Good stuff. Man, y'all got to get home and take care of kids, don't you? Okay, John, can you go hit the off button? Thank you. Woo, I'm telling you. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's about this deep in here right now. Maybe this swimming in it, right? Hallelujah. God bless you. Thanks for listening.